Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Hello and welcome to Countryside here on Manx Radio. I'm Simon Clark. And I'm Kerry Kermode. Well, the spring has finally sprung and the uh, Kronkavadi Plough and Society have now dishing out the Spud in a Tub competition seed potatoes and I popped along to Peel and I also nipped to the Braid of Stedford. I catch up with Mel Kegg about the Northern Lights Choir that appeared at the end of last year and also I went along to speak to William Higgins about orienteering. Well, we better crack on with things. Uh, we hoped to get it on last week's programme, but we didn't have time. Uh, a new choir that was set up at the north of the Isle of Man, which was uh, sadly lacking for many years, Kiri. And uh, it's a strange uh, setup of how the Northern Lights Choir got set up and how Mel Kegg uh, got to be in charge of it there. So uh, let's hear what Mel's story was. <laughs> started last November and um, I originally wanted to go along and sing in the choir and I think Ange and Will had another choir leader set up who unfortunately had to drop out because they started another job and I sort of got my arm twisted behind my back to start it up and I said oh well I'll do it for a bit and then you know four or five months later we're still going but it's it's really good fun. <laughs> the funny thing is, I mean, did they look around and go, uh, who can yeah. play the piano or I something? I think so. <laughs> they were like dragging people off the street, I think. But yeah, no. I mean, they. I think because I've known Will a long time and he knew that I'd been doing choirs in schools and stuff. So he thought I had the skills there to do it. So, But it's very different doing choirs of children than it is with adults. So I'm learning as well. <laughs> well, one of the... One of the attractions, I think, for the people that uh, have started to come to the choir is your relaxed way about it. You're not like, it's not like the school guild. You will <laughs> sing that A note. <laughs> yes. Well, I just want people to come and enjoy themselves. And, you know, singing has so many benefits for your heart and your head and your soul. You know, it beats anxiety. And they've even got singing therapy for now after the pandemic for people in recovery from covid so, really yeah so it helps you your breathing your lungs um everything it increases your oxygen flow around your body and you know you know when you leave choir your mood when you come out you're so elated from all that singing and if you pick really good songs it just makes people very happy doesn't it and that's our whole premise of the choir we would just want people to come along have a good sing and be happy when they leave. Lots of smiling faces. You've got a great range of songs. I mean, you're not singing um, hymns from the, oh, no. from the 1800s no. or something. You've got no. a, um, from Bon Jovi to the latest one from Adele in there. Yeah, yeah. So we, you know, I have a suggestion box that people come along and they can choose songs that they want to sing as well. So we've got a few really modern ones coming up that are in the pipeline. So as long as I can make it work on the piano, I'm really open to people to come in and say, oh, I really want to sing this. And that gives them a bit of ownership as well, doesn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. Is that a good challenge for you as well? Not only sort of breaking them down into higher and lower singers, yeah. but uh, the foot, the thing that you have to learn the songs on the piano as well yeah and given that I'm a teacher and I don't really have a lot of time <laughs> but it's um, a lot of singing in in the car on the way home from work 
but um, yeah, it's it's just you know it's not highbrow. It's very relaxed. So you know you can people just want to sort of come and sing the songs, and and lots of people want to sit together in the choir. So that's been a bit of a challenge to sort of separate people into their their range of voice because they just want to sit with their friends and I don't want to split people up that have come along together so um yeah but it's just knowing somebody knowing where their range is so there's a lot of people that have come to choir don't know if they're high or low they don't really understand if they're high or low so working that out has taken a bit of time but we're getting there is that a difficult one if if people are trying to you're trying to sing two different harmonies or two different ranges when the one person next to you is, is singing a different one is that a difficult even from you your experience it with is a singing? bit of a challenge because like growing up and singing in lots of choirs myself you know we're all separated into different areas which makes it a lot easier when you're surrounded by people who are singing the same line as you know you're singing so from a choir point of view but as long as people are happy and enjoying their singing, I don't really mind where they sit. Not just people between 40 and 50 that's involved as well. You've got oh. kids 8, 9, 10, up to uh, the more mature generation. <laughs> We've got a huge age range of people. And I mean, that's one of the great things about the choir, I think. You know, we've got children who do know all the modern sort of pop songs and to sort of more mature people who don't really know them but are willing to give them a go and, and uh, they really enjoy it as well. Mel Kegg talking about the Northern Lights Choir. It's great to, to hear that the voices there, isn't it, on it? just fabulous the musical talent we have on this island is second to none and just to have those opportunities you know to take to the stage or to a hall to sing is so enjoyable isn't it yeah and that's what the people are there for you know they don't want to be big stars at the guild i don't think but uh, really enjoying it gets them out and gets the community spirit going into it as well quite a new venture that uh, and one that isn't quite as new in Braid, Kiri. <laughs> Absolutely not. The Braid of Steadford. Oh, what a fantastic evening that is. And uh, I popped along this year after a couple of years out and I caught up with Chris Lyon, Dot Tilbury and Gareth Moore. 6th of March 2020 was the Steadford and of course a fortnight later the island along with most places in the world went into lockdown and before then, who would have thought that such a thing would have happened? We'd have thought you were mad for saying such a thing. <laughs> and yet, yet it's happened and we've all lived through it these past two years. But it's good that we've got the Stedford going again this, this evening. And that is it. And everybody's having a great night. Oh, yes. Everybody's enjoying themselves. That's what it's all about. And there's plenty of people participating, which is the important thing. It's no use having an Stedford <laughs> if nobody participates. Otherwise, you'd all be gone home by 8 o'clock. So here we are, 20 to 10, only having supper. So, um... It's very good indeed. It really is. And we've got a little bit of a change up this year. We've got the, the good Gareth Moore here now. That's right. Um, he was telling us that he came here to the children's competition as a seven-year-old just a few years ago when 
he was accompanying at the time for the children. Um, we're missing Alan very much this year. He's decided after 50 years that it was time to call it a day. And I think he's quite pleased that Gareth is stepping into his shoes, big shoes to fill, I might add. And we'll be giving Alan a report on what's happened this <laughs> evening because he'll take a great interest in what's going on, even though he's not actually here this evening. Certainly, and we do miss his uh, remarks about the people on the stage. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, yes. He, he could say lots of things that the rest of us wouldn't dare say. <laughs> and what's the important thing is, Alan can get away with it where we might not be able to. We'd end up with a black eye or something. Wouldn't we just? <laughs> and we we've, still, we've still got Dot Tilbury here doing the literacy. Oh, yes. uh, a great woman. Yes, oh, yes. Well, Dot's family, of course, very heavily involved with the braid here since the hall was built, so it's great to have Dot here. She knows the people. She's done plenty up here over the years, so she's the ideal person to adjudicate on the literary class. And now the Braid of Steadford, it has been going a number of years. You were saying Alan Wilcox has been the judge for 50 years. Yes. Now, when did it start? Well... We believe it was in the late 1930s. The hall was built in 1937, and more or less straight away afterwards, the Estedford was going, because don't forget at that time, nearly every village and town on the Isle of Man would have an Estedford. So um, it just so happens that now the Braid is the last country one that's left, and Trinity and Douglas have one usually in November. I don't think they had one last year, but they normally have one in November, and they're about the only two Estedfords left on the island now. And they are great fun. Like you say, it's community coming together. There's all sorts going on. There's all different classes. So if somebody wants to get involved next year, Chris, what would you say? C come along, pay your £5. It's worth it for the supper. And if you want to give us a recitation or sing, well, that's even better. <laughs> um, your Manx Radio colleague, Ian Cottier, always says to me that you've got a good wheeze going at these at Stedfords. You make people pay to come in and entertain each other. <laughs> well, that is very true. And there's been some good entertainment so far oh, this evening. Oh, there has. And I'm sure there will be before the night is out. Is yes, it. it's, it's, it's good to have everybody here enjoying themselves. Especially after this last couple of years, it's nothing nicer than getting together. Well, that's it. We, we, we've done our social distancing. We've done all we've had to do. And hopefully we're going to come out the other end of it now smiling. Do you know what? We wondered whether anybody would come. No. And look at us. She's brilliant, isn't it? And we've... Do you know what? Usually there's about, I don't know, 100 people in here and about three of them will do a turn. And tonight we've got, we've not full by any stretch of the imagination, but we've got a good crowd. And look at the turns we've had. Well, unbelievable, isn't it? There's some talent in this room. Wow, gum. <laughs> talent? Who's this fella? <laughs> We've heard a cross-section tonight, Dot. You're in charge of the literacy side of things. Yeah. Some great, great amusements. Oh, wonderful. Do you know what? It, you could go up on the stage and tell any story and it wouldn't matter. No. People would clap, give you a clap. No, this is it's it. It's just, uh, you know, and I often think of Ian Qualtrough when he used to be up here and I can remember the night um, Bernard Kane and Ari Isinger were singing Watchman What of the Night, a very serious song about seafaring and everything. And they were up on that stage up there and Ian Qualtrough came, a fishing rod came out of that room, the kitchen, and they, and they, somebody's, oh Bruce can't move, this car, somebody's blocked him in. It wouldn't be the braid without being blocked in though, would it? Is that my number? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> No, and he, I'm spoiling my story here. No, anyway, he came out of that room with a big fishing rod and he had a kipper or something on the end of it. And they were carried on singing and he's waving this kipper in front of Bernard and Harry. 
Watchman, what of the night? All this sort of carry on. And then he disappeared. And, and then they started singing, and the raging wind did roam, and the stormy wind from the seas. And the next thing is, he threw a jug of water over him. He was mad, man. Mad, man. Well, that is it. It's that opportunity, oh, isn't it? And do you know what? <laughs> Fair credit to Bernard and Harry. They never stopped singing. Well, I think they won first prize. <laughs> Lots of people are getting first prize tonight, though, I Dot. Know. But it's been COVID. Everybody needs a prize for getting up. <laughs> this is very true. Turning up. <laughs> and no Alan tonight? No. 50 years it would have been tonight. And uh, we miss him already. But we've tried to keep it as to his... Um, you know, a uh, Gareth's come in his place, and but nobody will replace Alan. No, um, Gareth will be his own man. But I always remember Alan because he used to say you had to bite on an apple to open your mouth to sing properly. Oh, it's hard right. to do when you. It's very You know, true, imagine you bite, now, yeah, but yeah, and you look out to the audience, take your glasses off, and you see. I learnt an awful lot from Alan Wilcox, and. Uh, you look out to the audience and sing with your eyes. Oh, no. Yeah. Lots of people are talking and reminiscing here tonight. Yeah. And I'm sure he's going to be looking for them results, Dot. I think he will be. Um, but we're a bit scared to give out first prize to one person. So we're just giving everybody first prize. <laughs> but there has been some talent, though, hasn't oh, there? Oh, fantastic. You know, the likes of yes. Graham oh, Crow here. Yes, yes just singing that when he said he was going to sing this song I thought oh I don't know that one but I did know it yeah. and I'm just sorry you only sang three verses you, you can listen to some people all I night know. can't you oh, and we were all joining in that's, a, that's yeah. all part of the braid isn't it yeah well so. anyway I better let you get on the supper's yeah. done my golly it was good so is this Energy FM well, Gareth Moore at the Braid of Steadwood now. I believe that you're not a stranger to this hall. As a youngster, you were here many years ago. Oh, many, many years. Um, we would come for the junior Braid of Steadwood and be up on the, up on the stage, um, being forced onto the stage. <laughs> that would be more to, uh, to it. Absolutely. <laughs> to, do, um, to do our various various bits and pieces, our solos and our little ensembles. So were you always musical? Has this been something to do, like, all of your life you've been involved with music? Oh yeah, all, it's always been a very um, natural thing to me. It started right when I was little, I was playing the piano on the windowsill before we had a piano and oh, it was all just a really natural thing, but there's no question that uh, these types of events really gave us a, a platform to perform um, and an encouraging platform as well. So yeah. And now great. to come back after all these years and be the judge must be quite nerve-wracking. Oh yeah, I was terrified driving here. <laughs> I was trying to think of things to say, you know, think of positive things to say and encouraging <laughs> things to say. Um, but oh, it's 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 like like coming home really. It felt very uh, very relaxing and uh, very relaxed and everybody's just doing their best and having a good go and that's all what it's all about, isn't it? About taking part. And I think you've had some really really top talented people in here tonight as well, Gareth. So for you to cast your opinion on some people that are maybe your senior and 
been very good in the Guild, you know, Cleveland medal winners. How does that feel? Oh, it, I, that's, that's the beauty of the Braid of Stedford, isn't it? That you get this um, wealth of um, talented people coming through and uh, just performing. And what we have had tonight, we've had a, um, a span of age ranges from very little people um, to, you know, some of our older musicians on the island. And that's just so lovely to see that they're all coming together to have a go. And you've obviously got a broad cross-section of classes as well. You have the, the hymn raising, that's always a firm favourite. But then the musical um, instrumentals, and then Graham Crow with the men's solo there. You know, these just absolute talents endless. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's great. Um, what, what's so lovely about the Estevard is that it gives people an opportunity to take part in a number of classes so that they can show... You know, they can show off different facets of their um, musicianship or or even things that we didn't know about, like their poetry reading yes. and, you know, all of that. And obviously now we've stopped for supper. Um, Alan Wilcox, like we've said before, he's, he's missed tonight. But uh, how, did you, how did you get involved yourself here tonight, Gareth? So Alan had decided not to um, adjudicate this year and they asked me if I would come along and do that. Um, I was nervous uh, taking uh, taking his role because Alan and I are great friends. He sits next to me on on a Sunday at Trinity when I'm playing the organ. So he had given me he had given me the instructions of what I needed to make sure that I'd done. And um, you know everyone holds Alan in such high regard. And uh, yeah, everyone is just um, just so so proud of those 50 years that he is has given to the Braid of Stedford you know he really is um, such a wonderful local musician who has given so much to the community. That was the chairman there Chris Lyons from the Braid of Stedford the musical adjudicator new for this year Gareth Moore what a great job he did there and the legendary character in Dot Tilbury judging the literacy. And was it a late one? It was indeed. <laughs> it's always a very good night and lots of people taking turns. And just little River Kelly there, the talent. She's been coming for a few years now, still under 10. Uh, violin, duets, dancing. Oh, it's just lovely to watch the youth coming through. It certainly is. <laughs> You're listening to Countryside here on Manx Radio with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. Well, uh, you'd have heard of the name orienteering, or what it is, is a different matter. To find out more about um, what it involves and where you can do it on the Isle of Man, I spoke to William Higgins. Well, orienteering is an outdoor activity uh, or a sport that can help to exercise the mind and body, which is suitable for people of all ages and fitness levels. Uh, participants can either walk jog or run uh, when they take part in any activities. Uh, it's a navigation challenge that involves navigating between permanent markers or control flags marked on a specific orienteering map. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the skill and the fun comes from trying to find the best way to go from each position marked on the map. Uh, once you arrive at a marker or control flag, then you record your visit by either punching a scorecard or writing a, a code onto your scorecard. Is this to sort of prove that you actually went to that checkpoint? That's the idea, yes. You've yeah. proved you've been at that location, so it is. No, but is it a new thing to the Isle of Man or is it expanding? Uh, well, orienteering, I think people have been doing orienteering on the island for quite a long time. Uh, when I came here in 2000, uh, I couldn't find much to do with orienteering. Uh, I've been doing orienteering in Northern Ireland and the UK. And then I've been in contact with Graham Watson about maybe making use of the forest and different places like that. Uh, and then eventually we got maps 
provided by P.O. Benstein, who brought us a group from Sweden to take part in orienteering in 2012. And then on the back of that, he donated the maps to us to try and develop orienteering. And then we were able to put permanent orienteering markers out in Archaligan and Nobles Park and then create different courses for people to access. And sort of from 2012 onwards, that's sort of been developing orienteering. Uh, in 2017, we set up an orienteering club. Uh, there was four of us who were quite keen to do orienteering and try and provide more opportunities for people to take part in orienteering. Uh, and then from that, we've sort of been able to access funding to create different maps of different places across the island and put some more permanent markers out. Right. The maps, obviously, are, are a big part of it. The equipment side of it, do, do people need much to be involved? Uh, well, again, the Orienteer map's a dedicated map that's got specific features and more micro-features than a normal OS map. Uh, and that allows the challenge of navigating to uh, different types of features. Uh, most people don't need much. Basically, a good set of, of uh, footwear to walk about in, uh, sensible clothing, and again, waterproof if it's not great weather. Uh, and that's about all. And if you want to be more technical in your navigation skills, you might use a compass. Uh, again, when you go to do the event, you'll be given a, a specific map with different markers put on uh, to allow you to take part in that event. Do you see it involve... Is there always the same route that, that people have to go, or is, is that the challenge of it? You might be able to think, look at the map and go, ah, that's a better route to it. Yeah. Uh, well, again, we would do different types of orienteering events. Uh, one of the most popular ones is a, a one-hour free order event where there's markers put in your map and you choose which markers you want to visit. And again, when you go to each marker, you choose the direction and the travel you want to go whether you want to follow paths or tracks or you want to navigate through the forest or the, the open ground. Uh, you, you choose the route that you want to do. Uh, we do also do a linear course where you have to go from point to point in a specific order. But again, you've got route choices to take to go to different control points as you go along. The part of it where, you, where you've got the maps um, for, for beginners, I mean, is it, is it fairly straightforward for people who maybe want to do it for the first time, William? Uh, what we tend to do is, uh, if people haven't done any orienteering before, we usually have someone who's available to speak to people and give them a general understanding of what you do. Uh, it's fairly straightforward, and, and most people, if you can follow a map and follow a path around the forest or track or trail, uh, you'd usually find there'd be some markers along those. So people who are starting for the first time, novices, would find it fairly easy to find most of the flags along the tracks and paths, and then there might be one or two slightly off, which aren't too far off the tracks and trails. Uh, so again, most people who start for the first time tend to enjoy it. Uh, they might get misplaced in odd time, but generally they, they, they manage okay. It's all different techniques as well. Do some keep the map facing the same way? Some turn it round yeah. like when, when you drive. Yeah, well, that, that's it. Yes, it's just as like driving yeah. so it is. Ideally, that's, that's, the, that's where the term orientation comes from. You orientate your map, turn them. Uh, turn your map around to match the features in the ground and that helps you then to as you go to different points along your route uh, you would use sort of check off points really so you might come to a track junction and the flags maybe at a path beyond that so you maybe reach that point and then turn your map again and then sort of navigate to the next feature and that helps you to go along so again a compass is possible if you want to use that if you're going across country but you don't really need a compass but the, is that something that the, the more you do of it and you start getting into it and enjoying it um you say people are coming over from different parts of the world to, to do it over here who won't know the terrain at least we may know our way around the arboretum or somewhere yeah uh, mm -hmm. again 
the more you do it, the more uh, confident you become. Uh, and as you get used to what the features look like in the map, and you use the key at the side to help you, uh, it certainly helps develop that skill of, of looking and identifying what features look like. Uh, and as people have come across from the UK and further afield, again, some of those people have been doing orienteering in different places as well. So they're coming across for a different type of challenge. Uh, we're still retro in that we still use punches. We're in the UK and other places in the world doing electronic punches. Uh, so we always say to people, oh, you're coming for a new t different type of event. You haven't used punches for a long time, but uh, it's something different for them as well. And and these skills are so useful. I know the, the Cubs, the Scouts and people like that use it. Um, I suppose the the outdoor, the Raymeers type of people eventually. Is this a stepping stone to, to more, complica uh, more complex uh, orienteering? Yes, yes. Uh, certainly the skills you would develop as you, as you progress through different orienteering levels, uh, it becomes more challenging. Uh, some of the elite orienteers would be looking for a lot of micro features and maps and they would be running maybe 10 or 12k uh, just in one event, maybe in doing that, maybe in an hour. But again, they're looking for features that most novice people wouldn't even notice that were there. Mm. Uh, again, so the challenge really is that, you know, as you as you progress in the skill, then it's uh, how do you want to push yourself on to the next level? Uh, in the UK, they've got different sort of levels where color-coded systems uh, where you sort of progressively go through different stages. Uh, we've sort of not developed that yet. We sort of try to keep the, the simple idea of... Uh, you know, novices, then sort of intermediates, and then we move on to more what we call a championship course when we run our championship event in September, which is more technical. And again, people of different levels have a go at different things uh, and try it out. So, so where about on the island uh, c can people do this? Is the if if you're stuck up for part of the island, is there always somewhere quite close by? Uh, well, we've got quite a number of places mapped. We've been lucky enough to get funding to do that. Uh, so we've got places like Archaligan in South Peru, uh, Thaltywell Forest and Glen, Conrenny Wood, uh, Peel Hill and Corns Hill is mapped, along with Peel Headland. And part of the old town of Peel has been mapped as a picture trail. Now, Farm paid for some of the mapping and they've got one on their farm. Uh, Gary Natloy and Gardens of Wood have been mapped with permanent markers. Ballad Last Glen and Opus Park, they've all got permanent markers. And the Arboretum's mapped as well, and the plan is to put some permanent markers out in the next few months for that as well. Yeah. So again, some of these are on our uh, Isle of Man Orientation website page and Facebook page, uh, and we're progressively developing different courses at these sites. And you're get, getting the youngsters uh, away from their computers, yeah, hopefully, as well. The we schools have, are involved. Yes, yeah, so we've had a, a, few, a few primary schools have been keen to get some places mapped on their school grounds. Uh, so like Ashley Hill and Cronkerbury School, Russian Primary, Arby, Balakotier, uh, the Buchan. Uh, they've all been mapped with permanent markers, and we've got a few other primary schools that have got the school grounds mapped with no permanent markers yet. Uh, the kids certainly love the orientation when we run them at, uh, at, at schools. Uh, my wife down in Russian and my own self here at Cronkerbury School, uh, the kids would spend maybe 40 minutes running about, not realising they've run about four or five kilometres. <laughs> uh, but they certainly have enjoyed taking part in that. And when we take them out to maybe have a go at the, at the more challenging ones in the forest again, they like that challenge of going out, and uh, certainly some of them are keen to do it on their own. Uh, my own son, he's, he's got into it quite a lot. He's 10, and he's quite happy to have a go on at this in himself. Uh, doesn't mind getting lost, but that's part and parcel of the game. <laughs> Even someone my age? Uh, we have people of all ages and all abilities taking part in orienteering, and it's, it's good to see. And again, people can choose to, to do it at their own speed and, and pace that they want to do, and take on the challenge at what level they want. Uh, and if you want to find out more information, uh, 
you can go onto the Isle of Man Orientian website page or the Isle of Man Facebook page. William Higgins there telling me about uh, Isle of Man Orienteering. And you can find out more on the Facebook page, Isle of Man Orienteering. And then you'll find all of those links there to the government parts of the website, which gives you maps of the areas where you can go, where the little posts and markers are already up. So fantastic way, Kiri, to you know, make a walk interesting. It really is to explore the great outdoors on this island. We have some beautiful walks that we know of, but some of these ones here, following the compass and following set points, and some of them are permanent, like you say, orienteering maps, and some of them are made up as we go, or new ones. It's always great to explore the island. Yes, um, and you've been exploring not quite potatoes ready for making jack of potatoes yet but uh, the early <laughs> stages of it at Cronkavody. That's right uh, yeah the annual spud in a tub competition are rolling out the new seed spuds for this year and we'll find out in September who has the biggest quantity but the dishing out happened at Peel Golf Club and I popped along to Peel Golf Links to see the men dishing the spuds out. Well Dennis Quirk here we are we're dishing out the seed spuds for the 2022 spud in a tub competition well they're looking nice yeah they're looking okay they're uh, cara which are a late spud oh right okay. so you don't expect them to be too early but they're a good cropper oh. and if you're doing a, a competition in a tub you want something that will crop I see. and then if you're any good at growing them you will get a lot but if you've got a, if you've got a spud that's an early don't have so many on they're not really much good to us. Like, you know, you I want see, the one bigger one. Like. So this kind of variety would be ideal because it's not until September, Judgment no, Day, is it? That's right, that's right, yeah. And looking on last year's results, I see there that Margaret Halsell won with just about Margaret, six kilos. Margaret and Leslie are hard to beat. <laughs> yeah, but we're going to beat them. Oh, right, we're, I see. We're, we don't deal kilos for pounds, so. Oh, no. <laughs> We, we have beat them. We have beat them. I've, I've won the tub once, and well, I think you've won it once. I'm a second behind you that year. All oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. what makes the tub full of spuds then? What are the tricks? Come on, Dennis, you got to let us know. I don't know any tricks. Jim Kane, you've been doing it a few years now. I don't know. Some years you'll get in the teens of pounds, and then the next year you only get five or something. So we haven't got no... Special way of doing no, it. No, no. So tonight we're looking at the tray here. We've got to just pick, or you'd given a spud. You, you take a you take a spud each, and you put it into a tub. Right. The only rule we've got: you mustn't cut it. Right. Okay. You can cut a spud and put the the eye, two eyes, and move them about like you know. Right. Okay. But, well, we used to do that years ago. I see. But they, they don't do it now, like. And would you be able to see that when you tip them out in September if somebody's we, been up to no we good? We try. We try when we tip them out to follow the the sprout down through yeah. uh, just to see that that doesn't happen but uh, we trust people there's no there's no cheats in farmers <laughs> well Jim this has been going a number of years now it has been going a few years well it started it started off oh, the I don't know. we used to when the southern, southern gardening yeah. club yeah these these started in the first place like we were friendly with the ones who were doing it and they asked us to join in with them. That's how we got started. They challenged us. We challenged us, that's right. Oh, right. Oh, so North versus Cronky then. And Gordon Cottier was the two main ones who started it. So the winning, the winning weight has been about £23. My goodness, that's a sum. I think that was Wilson Gibb. Yeah. The late Wilson Gibb. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And would the variety have changed much since then? Because obviously, like you said, Dennis, it's Cara we, now. Well, we used to do a, a, 
one in the ground as well. Right. And we used to go round, just a few of the committee used to go round on a Sunday and dig them and weigh them. Right, but that sort of died out. People didn't seem to want to do that. It's the ones in the tub that come up to the root show yes, that, that makes the fun, like, because yeah. they're all dug together and everybody sees them. Yeah, but yeah. In, in that, in the ground, Wilson Gibb had something like, what did he have? Was it Mason had the highest, 130-something pounds? Yeah, 30, yeah. I think he Wilson won it. Will he won it that year? He won that, Goodness yeah. me, that's some weight. Some weight. Just think about that, if you had a naked potato set and you got that off his bosom. Peter Quayle, Peter Quayle was there that day and Peter said to him, could I do that in the field? And he said, you could. But he said it would cost you more than <laughs> what you would grow them, than what it would be worth Never. to well, grow them. This is it. But he, I, I did say to him too about how did you do it, and he mm. said, I'll tell you in me will. Oh! So, <laughs> I don't know what it being his will or not. Will <laughs> we? <laughs> <laughs> but this is it, isn't it? It's getting the uh, the right combination, isn't it, to try and you, get those spud right on the day. You never know. Nobody knows until they empty them out. You can empty them out and you think you've done you've done well. Yeah. And you empty them out and you got nothing hardly. Oh goodness. I we have two tubs. Wendy has one. I have one. And I think I beat her last year for the first time. Well, I, know. I don't know why. <laughs> and do you look at yours every day, and Wendy just leaves it to get on with it? You she reckon? She goes out just before bedtime and does something. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> I'll be the hell with that one. But it's good for everybody to get involved, Jim, isn't yeah, it? Anyone can take part. Anybody at all can take part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. more the merrier. So how do they get in yeah. touch if they miss tonight? They can get in touch to get a spud somehow. Either ring Jim or me, and we'll get a spud to you. That's it. And yeah. all you need is a pot. Yeah, just a tub. What is it? How many litres? 40 litre tub. Right, and what about the soil or the compost? What whatever you like. It? Right, Whatever okay. you like. And what would you sooner? Sorry? What would you rather? For to put in it. The most of it. Half compost anyway. Yeah, well, it's, it's compost you need. It's soil. If you put ordinary soil in, it's too heavy, too tight. Right, okay. You can't keep it aired enough, I don't think. Right. But don't heed me because I'm not worth listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> but all compost dries out far too quick. Oh, you can fill it with water, and the next couple of days is completely dry. Like. And I suppose you'd have to keep on yeah. top of it, wouldn't you? You've got to keep it watered every day almost to, to keep any no, moisture in it. So you're taking one tonight, are I'm you? I'm going to have a go. Good on you. We grew a few in the field a couple of years ago, and that was just through the lockdown, and we did okay. Yeah. So I've, I've often been to the results of this, and by golly, there's been some glum faces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's been some uh, people very pleasantly surprised, well, so have a go anyway. We look forward to emptying your tub out oh, and hope it does well hope, for you. We hope Since so. we started this big spud in our produce show, up to this year we put £74,000 in charity. To, well, to about know. 12 or so yeah. different charities. Yeah. That's a lump of money, Jim. Well, that's yeah. the truth. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, the, and the money is only collected from, we do the sports on Tinwell Day, do the root show and uh, the plough matches, yeah. and that's, that's it. The root, show, the root show makes good money yeah. because yeah. everybody leaves all their cakes and stuff there and we sell them at night, and that makes good money. But we take nothing out of it ourselves. We just wow. try to collect the money. Oh well. And, and this last maybe ten years we've been doing four thousand a year, like haven't we? That's a yeah. lot lot of hard work that, on it. We started off with two hundred and fifty pounds, I think it was. Right. Like and then we worked up to four thousand. We stuck at four thousand for the last ten. 
and isn't hopefully that something we'll, else? Yeah. That's brilliant, isn't it? Because you're only a small society when you think about well, it. Well, there's, there's only five, about five or six of us, really, but Two here it's good. Gordon, Gordon is good, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, that, that's no mean feat. So getting young people involved with this kind of competition... It's, it's and a job, although yeah, young ones don't want to or something like that, I don't know. It you is know. hard, but I think there's a bit of a change coming. You know, people are a bit more mindful of where well, their food is from. Yeah, maybe, so growing maybe, in a in yeah. a pot like this here yeah, yeah. could be something that would get them interested. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got I've got two sons, but they don't come. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm too late. I'm too late for more. Oh. <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> well, I started a new group. Two granddaughters up there starting this year. Yeah. You'll be proud of them, Jim. Well, you see how they did. They made the me happy. Proud of them. Oh goodness me! <laughs> the next generation might be good. Yeah. yeah. I saw yeah. Some competition. But how did the ploughing go? We're all finished now. The national. We were waiting on the results. Who won? Colin Duggan won. Colin Duggan. Gordon Bruce. I uh, Gordon Bruce. Gordon Clegg second, and Stevie Anna third. Wow, that's yeah. a good cross section of good. people. It was good. They are well. They are. They are good ploughmen, those those guys. But it was a terrible day, really, and and you know for them to do the work that they'd done in the day was really good. Really you good. Know, I was judging that day with two others, and well, I was really fed up by the end of the day. Oh, like you know, goodness. it yeah. was a terrible day, and you could see that the ones that was ploughing, uh, Gordon in particular, ploughed well in the morning, and then it rained heavy in the afternoon. And he couldn't pull it, I don't think, afterwards. And he was really struggling. Yeah. And yeah. he was, he was, well, basically making a mess oh, on the end. And, the, and, and that and just Colin, shows the Colin seemed to get away with it a little bit easier for some reason. Well, I don't know why. Yeah. But he did seem to pull it a little bit better. And I think that's yeah, why. That's off the wheel of the plough was in about that deep. Like, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. God. But it was good. It was good. This is it. So that leaves them in good stead now. Colin, he'll be going across the water, maybe? Colin will be. Yeah. Colin yeah. will. Yeah. yeah, and and Colin will do a good job. Colin's yeah. always does a good job. So he'll be representing the Isle of Man ploughman. We will be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Yeah. No good. Yeah. Right. Well, I better let you boys get these seed spuds dished out, <laughs> and we'll uh, see well, what we September brings. That's it. Good luck. <laughs> Thank good you. Luck. That was Dennis Quirk and Jim Kane dishing the spuds out for this year's spud in a tub competition. Yes, and always. Uh, Great excitement ahead of it, isn't they? No? Oh, great excitement. Were they, were they worried about who was getting which seed? No. Well, I did ask for a few pointers, and they were saying the one with the most little sprouts, little eyes, get that one because it'll put uh, off a lot of more shoots. But the knowledge that those men have and just the passion for growing anything in the ground, the produce show they have every year there, it's just brilliant. And the amount of money they donate to charity from a small organisation, the Cronkavadi Ploughing Society, is just fantastic. Brilliant. Well done, everyone everyone involved in that that's it for this week's countryside we're back next week you got something to mention before we go though indeed i do uh wednesday so tomorrow at uh Nokalo at the mart they're having a fundraiser for the ukrainian appeal there is lots of brilliant items to be auctioned including a limousine bull kindly donated from the north of the island lots of vouchers lots of other items sheep and different things and if you want to pop along to Nokalo, that's at one o'clock and you can find more on the Manx National Farmers Union page on Facebook or Central Marts on Facebook also. That's it though. We'll see you next Tuesday at six from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kiri Kermode. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.